Chapter 36 of the book of Exodus begins uh, with a verse uh, that talks about Betzawel. is his assistant. And all the uh, skilled people. So, the skilled people, whom the Lord has endowed with skill and ability to perform expertly all the tasks connected with the service of the sanctuary, carry out all that the Lord had commanded. So let them, that's how the verse begins, let them now carry out their task. Them, the chief architect is Betzalel, and now Betzalel and Oliyav will be called in, and Moshe will give the instructions about how to build this sacred space. Earlier, at the end of chapter 35, in chapter 35, verse number 30, Vayomer Moshe, B'nai Yisrael Moshe, instructed the children of Israel, informed them, Ru, see here, Kara Hashem B'Shem, God has singled out, literally called by name, B'Tzawel ben Uri ben Chur, the son of Uri, the son of Chur, from the tribe of Judah. God has endowed B'Tzawel with a divine spirit, skill, ability, knowledge, and every kind of craft, and inspired him to make designs for work in gold, silver, and copper. And then Oliyav is introduced later in verse number uh, verse number 34. So first of all, it's very interesting that the person in charge of building this Tabernacle, B'tzalel ben Uri ben Chur Yehuda, we first take note of the fact that he is from the tribe of Judah. The fact of the matter is that in the desert experience, we don't have too many leaders, if any, from the tribe of Judah. I mean, each tribe has a head of a tribe. Um, and the Kalev, of course, one of the two spies who brings back a good report is from the tribe of Judah. But here you have a, somebody from the tribe of Judah who's overall in charge of uh, building this project. He has an assistant. He has Oliyav. He has others as well. Both men and women. Inspire people. Skillful people who help. And it's interesting that Judah actually, the, one of the qualities of Judah in the narratives of Genesis is Judah is the a natural leader. Judah is the person who can speak for the entire family. Judah can lead his brothers in the book of Genesis. And over here as well, what we have over here is not just uh, work that's to be performed by one person, but there's an entire operation taking place here. A group of people with specialized uh, jobs, tasks, abilities. It's all under the uh, aegis of, under the leadership of B'tzalel, who's from the tribe of Judah. So in a certain sense, it's very fitting that B'tzalel be from this particular tribe. 
Now his name is also interesting. Bitzalel ben Uri ben Chur Lamate Yehuda. His name is Bitzalel. His father is Uri. His grandfather is Chur. So Bitzalel can be read as Bitzalel in God's shadow, maybe in God's presence. But the word Sel is connected to a different word, which is the word Selim. Selim is an image. The human being was endowed, was created, B'Tselem Elohim, in God's image. And the, the very name B'Tsel El, recalls the description of the first humans. Naseh Adam B'Tselmenu Kidmutenu in the creation narrative of Genesis chapter 1 of the Torah. And the father's name, Uri, which means light. So it's interesting that you have B'tzalel recalls the last of God's creation, that is the human being created in God's image. And Uri is the first thing that God creates in the Torah. And God said, let there be light. He are. he are. So this actually is part of a much larger a uh, larger point that the construction of the Mishkan, the instructions to build the Mishkan, have many, many literary references to both the creation story of the first chapter of Genesis and the second creation narrative in chapters 2 and 3 of Genesis. One might say that the architect is the primordial human. One might say that the space that is being created here by people with God's instruction, is a small world. It's appropriate that the name is B'tzalel ben Uri. And it's also interesting that the grandfather is Chor. Now, Chor had appeared earlier in the book of Exodus, both in chapter uh, 17, when Moses had ascended the mountain during the war with Amalek at the end of chapter 17 of Exodus, when Moses would lift his hands up says the Torah, Israel would be victorious in battle against Amalek. But when Moses would put down his hands, Amalek would be uh, winning the battle. And Moses' hands were heavy. He could not keep his hands raised. So two people helped him. Aaron and Chur supported his hands. This from one side and the other from the other side. And in chapter 24, when Moses ascends the mountain to bring down the tablets and to receive instruction about building the Mishkan, in chapter 24, Moshe said to the people, I'm going up to the mountain. And Yoshua, Joshua, went with Moshe. And behold, said Moses, Aaron and Hur are with you. I leave Aaron and Hur with you. If someone has a matter, dvarim, davar, often is a legal matter. If someone has a legal matter, yigash alayhem, they should approach them. That's chapter 24, verse number 14. And Moses ascends the mountain. Now we know what happened when Moses leaves, ascends the mountain. He's on the mountain for quite a long time. And the people, in chapter 32, gathered about Aaron. And they said to Aaron, Make for us a God. The man Moses is missing. We need something that is permanent. We need a God. Probably the initial intention was not to replace the God of Israel, 
maybe in addition, or a way to connect to God. Ultimately, of course, the means become ends. And that's the story of the golden calf. We know they went to Aaron, but what is interesting in the Torah is what happened to Hur. Now, of course, one way to understand it is that Aaron is a priest. He's the Kohen. So if you're asking someone to build a god, you would go to Aaron the priest. That's his role. You would not necessarily go to Hur from the tribe of Judah, uh, who's not necessarily uh, going to know how to make a calf. The Midrashim, however, suggest that the reason Hur is not mentioned is that Hur actually opposed what they were doing, and according to some Midrashim, was actually killed by the people. That's not in the text of the Torah. But what is interesting is that the, we presume, certainly literarily, the Hur of chapter 24 and the Hur of chapter 36 are related to each other that what we have in the first instance is a golden calf, and what we have in the second instance is that Hur's grandson, actually noted at the end of chapter 35, that's Betzalel, is the one who builds the Mishkan. And that's actually a very interesting point about the relationship between the Mishkan on one hand and the golden calf on the other. They're very similar. There's plenty of gold in the Mishkan. Of course, the Mishkan is commanded by God. The instructions are given by God. The golden calf, of course, was not. But the question is, is the golden calf a, a uh, something that is optimally good or a kind of concession? Excuse me, not the golden calf, the Mishkan. Golden calf is not good. But the Mishkan. Is the Mishkan something which is optimal or was only there because of the need for a physical connection to God, if not a representation, a physical connection. There's a great dispute, of course, between the Rashi and Nachmanides, the Ramban. But what's interesting is that in any event, we see a connection between these two in the person of Chor. Chor is the one who was left there, and Chor is recalled in some sense when we read the story of the people surrounding Aaron and demanding that the golden calf be built, and the great enthusiasm for the golden calf, and now, after the story of the golden calf and the repair and the hard work... I've got a call in the middle of this thing. Hold on a second.